Ion 2020, episode 294. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, welcome to Monday, everybody. This is Ray, your host of Ion 2020, episode 294, and I'm quickly approaching episode 300. I honestly did not think I'd make it this far along in the in the podcasting world because you know how you do things and you know you you start off strong but then you slowly start to wither away and that's how I am in a lot of the different things that I do especially when it comes to politics and stuff because politics drives me absolutely crazy but I was able to keep this thing going through pretty much a full year of doing daily episodes, but then I kind of whittled it back to two days a week, and that's what I've been doing for a while now, and since about the beginning of this year, and I'm happy with the two-day-a-week format. It keeps me where I can still interact and get a lot of good information out there to you guys, as well as it doesn't bog me down every single day, and I don't feel bored with the topics either, because when you're doing it every single day, especially last year, I mean, it was all just democratic politics all the time and being a libertarian it is hard to listen to democrats just talk about promise after promise after promise never talking about how they're going to pay for it just this whole just uh, pie in the sky idea this utopia idea that they have that doesn't even work in real life in the first place you know and that just drove me crazy, but I kept on kept keeping on, so anyway, hit, getting close to episode 300, and really excited about that, I guess if I'm doing, I guess that's uh, three weeks away, so uh, I don't ever do any big shows or anything like that, you always hear podcasters like, oh yeah, I'm about to hit episode 300 or 400 or 200 or whatever, and they always talk about, you know, having some big great guests on there, this is not a show where I do, where I have guests, I just don't have time in my life to plan all that stuff. I have a lot going on with my career as well as a lot going on with my family. Uh, But I do like to get a good message out there of liberty and how libertarians would would handle things and stuff. This is not the only libertarian show. This is not the... Obviously, you guys know that this is not the only libertarian show. But this is not... I am not trying to be like the be-all, end-all or anything like that. It's just more of of a thing that I do because I just enjoy putting my thoughts into I mean out into the world I guess and uh, hopefully you get some sort of good message from this every uh, Monday and Thursday when I do the show as well and that is always my hope so if there's any way I can make the show better though I always want to take any type of criticism I want to take any type of constructive um, ideas and use them so hey let me know you can do that through Ray at IonTheEmpire.com uh, this is a libertarian show. I take a libertarian look at the presidential election, but I'm also taking a libertarian look at just the world in general and the things that are going on right now. And for about the last three months, it's been all coronavirus, but now in the last about three weeks or so, it's been all about police injustice, the riots, the things that are going on with the with the protests and other things like that. So... 
I wanted to talk about that today. It seems like there's some direction going on now with the protests. The protesters are starting to kind of coalesce around some ideas of reform. And that's good because there needs to be some ideas of reform that they're trying to push forward. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Some of them are good but need to be thought out even further. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Um, Because when you start to put together ideas, when people start to put together ideas, there's really not leadership within this whole movement right now, it doesn't seem like to me. Uh, there's a there's this movement towards police and you know, ending police violence, ending systemic racism, and things like that. And, I mean, I'm not sure what the definition of systemic racism is. I do hypothesize on this. I do have this understanding of the idea that in the past there has been racial injustice especially i mean specifically to black people and hispanics of course but um they were not looked at like people that were african american did not were not looked at as equal citizens in america i mean off, obviously at first you know not all but the mass vast majority of people that were of african descent were slaves so and then you had did, did have some free men out there and so forth, but that's not defensible or anything, you know. That's not a way to defend, oh, well, there were some free blacks. No, like, slavery was a terrible thing. I don't think anybody in, a, in, in America right now, save a very few, would consider slavery to be a good idea, you know. Um, save a very few would think that slavery was a beneficial thing to America. And if you look at that after you had slavery, after slavery was abandoned, after the Civil War, after they passed, I think it was the 16th Amendment, which ended slavery, or 14th Amendment, I think is what ended slavery. I can't remember exactly which one it was. But um, after that, you had the self, which you basically had martial law at that point during Reconstruction. And it was to f- basically the federal government enforcing these rules upon the self and trying to make it so that blacks can become adjusted to society under some sort of paid program and so forth. But over time, the laws started to be changed in the self in order to make it so that African Americans had a harder time voting, African Americans had a harder time getting jobs, being competing in the market, and so forth. And then you have the Jim Crow laws. I mean, there's been systemic racism in America in that way. And just because you abandon those Jim Crow laws, those those so-called separate but equal laws in the 60s, you start integrating schools and so forth, it does not just automatically change and all of a sudden everyone's on the same playing field because there is a starting line. So I do agree with those systemic problems in America. And then on top of that, you have the drug war. So I'm just trying to think about what can be done now to change what's happening. Like, what can we get done quick? What can be done in a very fast way in order to change things. And that's what I was you know, thinking about over the weekend is what can be done fast, 
not pass legislation, but what can be done really quick. And the one thing that I keep coming back to is the drug war. So the reason why drug laws were originally passed, there was like racist implications in that to protect, I mean, to protect your, this idea of reefer madness that they had with like the black man smoking marijuana and he becomes crazy. Like there's a lot of reasons why drug laws were passed and it was because, you know, Asians did heroin, Asians did PCP, you know, not PCP, but Asians, you know, smoked morphine and all this stuff and then you had African Americans that were, you know, black people that were smoking pot. We have alcohol, I mean, alcohol is a drug. Alcohol is just as dangerous, if not more, than than marijuana. So, I come back to the drug war. What can be done today, right now, in order to make some sort of justice in America? And think about the drug war. Think about it. So think about actually prohibition in America in the 20s. And you had all of the organized crime that built up around protecting the alcohol trade that Al Capone had or different gangsters had. Even the Kennedy family became very wealthy off of selling alcohol in the Massachusetts area. Like, think about all of that and all of, like, they say the murder rate was was very high in the 1920s during under Prohibition because people demanded alcohol. Even though it wasn't there, you had the dealers that were selling the alcohol. You had the speakeasies that were these underground bars where you can go there and party and drink and have fun. They'd get raided and stuff like that by the ATF or the local police officers. Like, there was... There were turf wars going on to protect these gangsters' trade. Like, there was a there was a black market of trade. So in any situation where there's a black market, there's going to be people that are protecting their market and their market share within an industry. And if you can't do it in a legal way, then you have to do it with your own guns and your own gangsters and your own violence. So an an entire industry of protecting their turf was built up around these gangsters. The you know Al Capone, for example, was like the most notorious one, and he had to protect his turf in Chicago. So if anyone came in there trying to sell alcohol to other people or trying to undercut his market. What does he do? He turns to violence. He has that ability to turn to violence. Because it's a black market. It's something that is not regulated or controlled or in public, in the open. It's not done in the open. He can't advertise in magazines and do a little bit better job promoting his stuff. No, I sell to this guy. You try to sell to this guy. I shoot you. I take you out. That's the way it is. And that's under prohibition of alcohol. They legalize alcohol. All of a sudden the speakeasies can start you know, selling their drinks legally. They can get their liquor licenses. They can you know, sell under those laws. And especially in some cities, like some states didn't start legalizing it as fast as others. I think if you go to Arkansas, there's still 
hundreds and hundreds of dry counties there or something. I think there was even some dry counties in North Carolina up until a certain point. But there was still laws that regulated alcohol. But you didn't have the crime and the violence that went along with it because it was legalized. It was out in the open. If you had a problem with a person that, you know, then you can call the police. You can, you know, do what's legal. Everything can be done out in the open. So you're not having, you know, these guys trying to protect their turf. And that's the same thing with the drug war now. The war on drugs. You have the fact that marijuana and other drugs are made illegal. Then police officers go after anybody who has these in possession of these drugs. Anyone that is a high, a low-level dealer up to the high-level dealers. And they're always trying to patrol the streets pat people down just looking for somebody who looks like they might be a drug dealer talking to them, what are you doing it it just creates distrust in the community but then think about this so the the high level drug dealer of a town, there's probably let's say there's one guy who controls all of, and it's organized crime it really is, there's one guy that controls all of the trade of drugs in a specific area and somebody else comes in trying to undercut them. I mean, just just think about that. I mean, if that was the case, that this person controls a certain area, and he cannot, and he sees competition coming in, there's going to be violence. If you're in the inner city, and you're looking at a corner where there's a couple kids selling drugs, there's a whole network of people protecting that corner there's people that kind of keep an eye out for the cops and they'll signal and let people know hey the cops are coming and then these guys might go hide their drugs really fast so if they get patted down they won't find them there's a network in place to protect that and if somebody else comes in on another corner across the street and starts trying to sell there those boys are going to make sure that their turf is protected and get that person out of there using violence if they have to But the drug war leads to police violence, police brutality, police over, like, that are, the areas be over-policed is what it comes down to. Over-policing of those areas. The cops are looking for those low-level drug dealers, wasting their time when they could be out doing other things. Or they could be out being more productive in society, not as a police officer, because the police don't need as many officers, That's, I mean, there's a black market built up to protect the drug trade in every inner city and in every small town even. If you just came across 10 10 or 15 tons of cocaine or something like that, I mean, think about the show Breaking Bad. It kind of gets into that whole scenario, right? Where he uh, he just decides that he's going to start selling crystal meth because he knows how to make it. And all of a sudden, it leads to all kinds of stuff with other people trying to protect their turf. And then he gets involved in that. He has to become a hardened jerk in order to take over the drug trade. Like, that is what's going on in the drug trade in general. So you'd have a lot less violence in the inner cities if you got rid of the drug war. Because you would not have the turf 
being protected. I bet you in Chicago, because you always hear this, especially now from like the conservative people that'll say, well, look at all the black people that are killing them, killing each other. In Chicago, there's been 500 African-Americans killed by African-Americans, you know, in the last year or something like that. Like you always hear those stupid rationalizations for why black people can be killed by officers as well. And it's not even a rationalization. It's like this, it's, it's that those are two separate issues, but I'm willing to bet you that most of the black on black crime in Chicago is turf wars over drugs. I bet you it is over the drug trade, turf wars over the drug trade. That's a problem. And how do you find a solution to it? Just make drugs more illegal. (laughs) <laughs> like you can't make them more illegal than they already are. No, treat drugs as a, not as a criminal offense, but as a like if you're a drug addict, treat it as such. Decriminalize them. Make it the least priority that cops have. The lowest priority. They did it with marijuana. They could do it with other drugs as well. But then does the drug trade flourish at that point? Well. That's a that's I mean the end user should be the least worry of the cops, but I would say legalize the drugs, make it so that they can be I mean from a libertarian perspective we don't want regulation and all that, but give people licenses in that sense to to have a corner store that sells recreational drugs in some way. Like there's got to be ways around this stuff to make it so that there's not the black market out there because the black market has all kinds of negative effects as well, heroin that's laced with other stuff that causes someone to overdose because they're too strong because they're not ready for that high of a dose because this drug dealer cut it with this particular thing in order to make it stronger or better or whatever like you don't know what you're getting if you're buying heroin, cocaine, crystal meth even marijuana I think back in the Back when I was younger, I remember as a kid, you'd get some shit and it was, or some, sorry, I hate to swear on my show, I apologize. You get some stuff and uh, it's sprayed with like PCP or some, you know, hallucinogenic or something like that. And I mean, this was up in Connecticut and it was always just this really bad weed, you know? That like makes your mind go crazy makes you feel whacked out because of this the stuff that is the, the stuff that's put on it i don't know what it was but it definitely wasn't like the normal stuff that you would get in florida where i guess you're closer to the source maybe i don't know because when i moved to florida as a kid that was uh that was a whole different story i mean i stopped doing that stuff 25 20 years ago but i mean the thing about it was is that you knew you were getting bad bad weed. But I bet if you go to California to these dispensaries, you know the quality of that marijuana. You know the quality of the drug. If you go and you go to your doctor and you get a prescription for some type of, you know, painkiller, some type of opioid painkiller, you know the strength of it. You know the quality of it. You know that it's not laced with all kinds of random stuff, right? I'm not saying... Everyone should just be doing drugs because I don't think that everybody would be doing drugs just because they made it legal. If you look at the Netherlands, if you look at Spain, if you look at Portugal, places where they have limited or made things more decriminalized, 
you haven't seen increases in spices and drug or spikes in drug use. I don't think if they legalize heroin, I'd start you know shooting up heroin. No, that's not what I would do, and I don't think most of you guys would do that either. But the drug war is what causes a lot of the problems that we have in society with the with the police officers, the over policing. I mean, one of the things that they said this uh, this terrible officer who is sitting on or putting his knee on George Floyd's neck. Hey kids, this is why you shouldn't do drugs. Like I don't know that Floyd was on drugs at the point at that point. I have no idea. They say some were found in his system, but it could have been marijuana from over a month ago. It could have been cocaine from three days ago. It could have been whatever from however long ago, however long it stays in your system. So who knows? For sure. That's neither here nor there. It was the drug. Like that officer felt like he was able to do that because in some way he was looking for drugs then. He was some way he was thinking this guy was on drugs then. We need to end the war on drugs. That, I mean, if you look at statistically, statistically speaking, I think I did the numbers one time. 60% of the people that are in jail are for nonviolent drug crimes. 60% of the people are in jail. So you can assume that 60% of the job that cops are doing are looking for drug crimes then. So you can assume 60% of the cops are there because of the drug war. Just imagine they get rid of the drug war and you have 60% less cops because there's 60% less demand for cops. Yeah, then you just defunded the police. You got that to happen without even needing it to happen, without even intending it to happen, because you ended the drug war. So you want to defend the police? There you go. End the drug war. End the the drug war that's the that's that's one of the keys to this whole scenario and that's the other thing i want to talk about today so i've already talked about qualified immunity so i don't really want to get too much onto that because i know that qualified immunity is the reason why a lot of cops are willing to think in their minds it changes their mentality it makes them think i'm not prosecutable i can't they can't come after me or my family or my assets or whatever not your family you know what i mean they can't come over my have to come after my personal assets for jobs thing that I'm doing at work. And you have the police unions that protect these guys to their last breath if they do something wrong. So I don't want to talk too much about qualified immunity, but if we eliminated qualified immunity, if they if they passed the law to make it so that qualified immunity would no longer exist, which that would be great if they did that then the police officers would be able to be held accountable personally personally and criminally for overstepping and overstepping their their duties but the first thing we need to do is end the drug war because that puts way too many cops on the streets looking for something to do that's the key um but they're talking about defunding the police and you know, as a libertarian, I say defund as much government as you can. Like, I, I agree with the idea of defunding the police. I agree with the idea of limiting the size of the police forces, limiting the scope of the police forces, and so forth. 
The thing is, is that there is a demand for safety and security in society. There is a demand for that. Like, if you are at your house, it is nice to know that you can call somebody in order to protect your stuff, or not protect it, but let somebody know that there's somebody robbing your house, but you damn sure better be able to protect your own stuff as well. But it's nice to know that there's officers out there, I guess, or there's somebody out there to protect you in some ways. I, But it's not that cops are there to protect you, though. I think that if you got rid of most of the cops, people would still demand, if you got rid of all police officers, if you got rid of all law enforcement in general people still demand security people still we would live in a completely different society in some ways of how security is done but that's what the people that are calling for defund the police need to be ready for because there is going to be security there is going to be there are going to be people out there that protect other people protect other people's property and so forth there will be community groups that get together and form a quasi-type police force. There will be banks who have some sort of company on payroll in case they get robbed to come and get the perpetrator. There will be forces out there that do that. So you better be ready for that stuff if you're calling for defund the police. It cannot be like the liberal idea, I mean, it seems to me as the liberal idea is, oh yeah, we're going to defund the police and let's make it so that the federal government has the oversight over everything, or we have a federal police force, or we want to centralize power because those people's decision-making process will be the least local to you. So if that's the solution that you have of defunding the police is let's make it federalized, they're going to have less accountability to you, the person at the local level, and the citizen at the local level, than the local police department does. So if your solution is federalize it, if your solution is to defund the police but have a federal oversight committee or whatever, you better be ready for decisions to be made at the top level that have no that are basically done politically at that point. Like, I'm okay with the idea of defunding the police or limiting the police presence or having a much smaller police force in most places, almost, actually in every place. I'm okay with that. But you need to realize that there is a demand for security and you're going to have private security forces, which there's already more private security in America than there are police officers in the first place. Like, in my neighbor, we have a private security company that patrols the area. They don't do that good of a job, but if, they, if they're not doing that good of a job, we can fire them and hire a new one. You can't do that with your local police force, so you better be ready for some sort of privatized police force in some ways. In those inner cities especially, because there are more robberies in the inner city. There are more, there is more gang violence in the inner cities. If you don't end the drug war, then you're going to have the same exact gang violence going on, turf protection going on, than you did without the, with the police department, and that'll get out of control. You'll have the looting and the rioting that you have in the last couple of weeks with 
one side playing the other and like bad people getting involved in these in these peaceful protests that are causing problems so just be ready for that if you're one of those people that are calling for end the police then just know that that is going to spring up there's going to be ways to protect your property and I'm okay with that I think that is great I think it's a personally a good idea to go down that road in a constructive way though in a constructive way if you just abandon all police now if the, if the, if the federal government said alright it's illegal to have a police department in your county it's illegal to have a sheriff's department in your county there might be some chaos at first like it happened in Egypt whenever they disbanded the police after I think it was like I think it was Maduro or something like that was the uh, not one of Maduro sorry whoever the president of Egypt was during the Arab Spring whenever he got kicked out of office or whatever and there was police officers or the, they, they ended the police force in in Cairo and it said that there was absolute chaos robberies killings and all this stuff going on for a while but then local town like people in certain areas they started cordoning off their neighborhood they started putting barriers into their neighborhood and so forth to protect it there was people that would volunteer to take watch like you're gonna in that situation you saw a local police force rise up a local force of volunteers rise up to control their streets it took about two or three weeks but it happened so if you defunded all police across america same concept you might have some chaos for a while but then it would start to organize itself in a private way that's just the way things are people demand security and safety so they're going to start doing that they, they demand it for their kids so they're going to create it on their own despite the government not doing it so that's a good that's a good thing that people do that but just be ready for that situation be ready to protect your stuff if that was the case but I don't think that these I honestly I don't think that these politicians are going to give up that power. I really don't. Yeah, they might say, hey, let's disband... Like in Minnesota right now, Milwaukee, they're saying disband the police. We're going to defund the police. They're not going to give up that power, guys. They're going to figure out some way to call it something other than policing is what they're going to do. They're still going to need people to patrol the streets. They're or not, they're, And they're not going to ask for private security to do it they're not going to hire a i don't even know if there is such thing or is a private security force right now because we don't have a market for that like they have private security in small neighborhoods and stuff like that but they don't have a way to hire out a private police department per se or a private i guess you could make say peacekeeping department or a private safety department or something like that like you don't really have that as a market in America because most cities just what every city uses a police department or a sheriff's department so who knows what they would do but eventually that would come eventually that would come where a community would get together and say hey you know what we want to protect our area we're going to go ahead and hire you know safety inc or something safe neighborhoods inc there we go but those safe neighborhood inc they're not going to be going after nonviolent criminals they're not going to go going after victimless crimes they're going to 
protect your property and if somebody robs your house or breaks into your house they'll do an investigation to find it that person and so forth like that's the way that it would work right now we have victimless crimes being prosecuted victimless crimes that cops are going after people for searching for that drug user so they can arrest them no victim no crime that's the key hey guys i appreciate you though um that's my two cents on this issue man i was just thinking about this whole defunding the police thing and i i think it's a you know i think it's the right direction i think that um from a libertarian perspective you do want private police departments in some ways um you do want some sort of public accountability in the sense of like our town can govern that particular or my neighborhood i guess can govern that particular private police force but you know what the society that we live in today is based upon the protection from police departments them out there patrolling the streets and so forth um that would change in a free society but you know what it's a it's a good step in the right direction um the only thing is is that you should expect some sort of chaos if all of a sudden they said no more police department and then it would start to order itself because but i i really don't think in this situation that um Milwaukee's going to give up that power. I don't think they're going to give up the the political power that they have over the police department. They're just going to change the change a few things here and there, and that's it, man. Uh, but hey, we'll see. I mean, it's an interesting time we live in. Uh, things are changing for sure, and uh, hopefully for the better. But statists and you know liberals and progressives, they still think that state power is you know the best thing they haven't all of a sudden became anarchists or libertarians or anything like that they are still for you know centralized control and that's that's definitely not a good thing so hey guys i appreciate you joining me though this is another episode of ion 2020 focusing on the uh, 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 from a libertarian perspective on the presidential election but also i focus on just you know current events and stuff and that's what i was talking about today but uh if you want to, you can check out iontheempire.com and I on the Empire through Facebook and Twitter.